Good morning. First of all, I, we've, uh, it's been a long time since we've met. It's actually been since June, or actually in May, I think was the last time we got together. And so we're picking back up. Obviously, this week is a critical week for the church and the engagement of most of all the ministries, um, and obviously our getting back together. Well, I, I, we're picking up. We've been on a, an extended study of the intimacy with God, and she started actually over a year ago. And uh, we have really unpacked uh, quite a bit in this focus of deepening our relationship with the Lord and knowing Him more. And one of the, the pieces that uh, we've been kind of working through where we're at now is that we sort of ended right before uh, our break for the summer with uh, God's discipline. And look specifically at Hebrews 12 in some of the, the context of that is this uh, call to uh, accept God's discipline in our lives, recognizing that it's there, it will be there, and uh, preparing us, obviously, for the ability to work through those circumstances and trials and challenges that are before us. It was this, the topic that I'm going to be continuing with over the next few weeks is um, this same uh, title of discipline, only we're going to transition it from God's discipline or God's intervention in our lives to the disciplines of our lives and how those are, uh, what, identifying some of those uh, to understand it and unpack it for, the, for what is God's purposes that he has for us and our call uh, to engage in these specific disciplines. And so I want to unpack this thing over a few weeks, and, uh, it's, and I think you'll see today it's just more of a general overview, and we'll, we'll dive into it as we go through. But I thought we would open up with just some kind of opening questions to kind of engage you in uh, kind of some, some perspectives and discussion and reflection. But if you knew you had a very, very short time to live, how would your life be different? So let's just start with that. So if you had, obviously, the opportunity to be able to change something in your life, what would it be? Morning, Alex. What would it be? What would be some of the things that you would like to change? You had a very short time to live. How would your life be different? And I want to come back to this. And just as this is a perspective, this is where is the balance between our eternal perspective and uh, setting goals, long-range goals, or even potentially short-term goals. So, any thoughts? If you had a very short time to live, how would you, you live life differently? I spend less time doing things instead of spending more time with people. Uh, uh, the focus would be entirely different. Certain things would cease to matter. All of a sudden, Okay. Kind of moves your uh, sphere of um, perspective from really wide to really narrow, um, really quickly. It seems to be more than that as most. Yeah, I think that's really a great uh, visual for me and how I think of things. Very right, brains and spatial is just that if I have a short time, it's sort of like all of a sudden, what are the things that I'm going to reprioritize or redirect? or to 
change to get it back into this frame with that type of perspective. So it could very well be uh, with relationships. It could be in some, how you set those priorities. I think we're all certainly challenged by some of those things on a regular basis because we get entrenched in that. It's we're living this way, and uh, what we're going to try to do is we're going to try to change this focus a little bit over the coming weeks to kind of bring it into this way. And what would be some of those things that we can implement into our lives? To, here, we've we've had a a very focused uh, approach to deepening our relationship and going deeper as, as corporately as a body. It's the first one was, if you remember, in the, in the late spring is, was going deeper in the Word. And then more recently, over the past several weeks, is going deeper in prayer. Prayer in the Word, obviously, could be very simple from your perspective, is that those are spiritual disciplines. And you could say, well, that's all we're going to cover. And I'm going to submit that there's a whole lot more to it and that the list is not conclusive in any way. And, and I think that when I go through this um, together, where we have obviously a parameter in what we can cover because we can't just keep going on and on and on, is that I'm going to try to focus on a few things that I think from an application standpoint are some, that build off of some of those key areas of, of disciplines in our life. What about this balance? You know, when I talked about this balance between internal perspectives and long views, you know, we're just entrenched in things on these, this goal setting, and how do you balance this perspectives of, you know, balancing these eternal perspectives with these goals? And what I'm going to submit on this is that, is that you may, we're also going to be bringing into play here some uh, very, very practical uh, discipline types of goals that you can implement into your own life and try to, how do you balance those things? And I think what I'm trying to get at in here is this, this balance itself is that in itself is that I'm gonna, today I'm going to walk you through what I would believe to be some of the cautions and things that we don't get caught up into, i.e. legalism as one example of that. Well, why is it? Why is it that we always fall prey to the easy way to something? In other words, if you had a choice, it's like that easy button, you know, that one commercial that just says the easy button. I always like that state. Right. Yeah. <laughs> the easy button. Why is it? Why is it that we, uh, as humans in general, we fall prey to this easy way? And what's our problem? Get it done and move on to the next. <laughs> well, what's driving that? Get away from work. Mm -hmm. We want to always be finding the quickest way so that it can be done. I just wonder if it's 
I think it's a great point, Linda. I think it has a lot to do with that, is because um, our flesh is going to pursue the path of least resistance. Uh, we don't. It's just the way we were driven. I think that in America, um, you know, the, what our society here is so driven off of that um, expedite efficiency, easy, um, and it's uh, here's a quick fix type of perspective in this world today is that because we, we just want the quick answer. We just want the quick solution. Just tell me. Well, just show me. We're driven. We're driven yeah. so that we can then play. Right. We're driven to get it done so then we can relax. Great. Right. Mm -hmm. it, it's, it's uh, I, I would, just give me the book. You know, just, can you just give me the quick uh, little three bullet points? That's all that I need and then I can move on and I can implement these things and I'm good to go. Uh, that, that's our problem. And so what we want to do, do is we just want to sort of, um, you know, open this up a little bit. And so what does Scripture say about this? It, what it says is that it doesn't happen that way, right? It's actually it's contrary to that. In fact, all, when I read in Scripture, it's replete from the beginning to the end of striving, challenges, you know, it's persecution, it's agony. It's full of exhortation. It's so it's going against all of the things which would be, it's the easy way. Uh, even I've heard, it's like, you know, like where Jesus says that my yoke is easy, uh, <laughs> is light. Understanding that, that kind of a statement, I think over time we're going to try to be able to recognize that it didn't, in Christ it is. But on our left to our own, we cannot do that. It is not. And so it's contradictory. So from your Christian experiences, what have you discovered about doing well spiritually and not? So in other words, if you were to, whether that's personal or with others, what in your Christian life have you experienced or have you discovered about those that have done well spiritually and those that have not done so well? What would be some of the things that you would, could comment on? Just observations or things your own personal? If I'm not intentional about what, um, about growing in Christ or the dis my disciplines or um, people or whatever it is that, you know, would fall off the wayside, if I'm not intentional about those things personally, um, they probably won't happen when we just any other thoughts? Uh, experientially, uh, two factors that seem to really help is one time. Uh, if if time is made uh, and not, not always in a routine, that's a good thing. And those are good things. Uh, hardship. It gets my focus in a hurry, you know. When you know you're not in control, and you have that reminder you're not in control, and you have to rely on the Lord, and it gets your focus. They're both, I guess, roundabout ways of saying this. Yeah. 
again, but looking at this, the, the contrast of, of an assessment, whether that's personal or in others to say, is that they're doing well spiritually or they're not doing well spiritually. So here's how I'm going to pull it all together, because I would agree with you. In fact, from just from my perspective and my discoveries, personally, as well as in observations, that the greatest influence on this doing well or not doing so well is really self-discipline. It's the disciplines themselves that we would engage in, because invariably, those that are not disciplined are the ones that really fall. In other words, they're, they're, they're challenged to be able to navigate through the things in their own lives, or it's a, I try, give up, try, give up, try, give up, try, give up. You know, so in other words, it's not for want of it. I'm just saying is, is that at the core of what we see in the Christian's life is that the discipline itself has such a significant input, input to how well we would do spiritually. Now, that's just not something we're just saying. It's, it's a fact. And I think that what we're trying to do in, this, um, in the weeks ahead here is the first couple of weeks is to frame up that biblically with scripture that would support that type of perspective. Because remember what we, we just came from in the, the, in the, in the God's discipline, God had a, has purposes for his discipline in our lives, right? It's based on love and for his greater purposes. And we're going to see in the situation is, is that he has equipped us as believers to do the very, dis engage those disciplines in our lives. And today we're going to try to unpack this word discipline in a lot of details to say what is it and what isn't it, what is not, to understand it greater so that it takes us into some of the passages. So I love, this is, just love this, uh, this quote from Oswald Chambers. The Sermon on the Mount is not a set of principles to be obeyed apart from identification with Jesus Christ. The Sermon on the Mount is a statement of the life we live when the Holy Spirit is getting His way with us. It is a Spirit-led engagement. And in, uh, in the passage in 2 Timothy 1.7, and I love the NIV version of it, it says, For God did not give us a spirit of timidity, but a spirit of power, of love, and of discipline. And the discipline itself is going to be this in, the enablement through the Spirit to engage us. To engage us in the very things that are pleasing to God. It, it is engaging us in His Word. Engaging us in prayer. Engaging us in meditation. Engaging us in fellowship. Engaging us in the disciplines of our lives as believers. And so, often as I want to make this clear point is that what I love about this statement is, is that it is our identification with Jesus. And one of the greatest coaches outside of Jesus in scripture is Paul. Paul is it's a great coach. And what I love about Paul is the exhortations that he does, but yet what you will always see in Paul's exhortations, whether that is his, his coming alongside of Timothy is that it is his identification with Christ. His leaning on the grace of God to enable him to be able to, again, encourage and move on. 
So we have, uh, we have been engaged for some time in this intimacy with God um, study. And I'm going to go way, way back, Mark, years, okay? <laughs> because this is it. In other words, if we were to kind of frame up, is that ultimately, and it's this pyramid concept in here, and this goes back to a study that we did in the, literally, the, this pursuit of godliness, this pursuit of, of you know, this thirsting for God, loving God, all of those things were framed up. And essentially, at the core, at the foundation of this, is a very healthy fear of God and a reverence, as well as this love of God. And the foundation of this is that from that is that it, it grows to this devotion to God and this desire for God. And this is this intimacy aspect right here. And I'm going to come back to this word of devotion to God because it really is what is the motivator. This desire for God is our motivator. So, in the weeks ahead, is that sort of this is um, this picture of then sort of discipleship, in which engage, brings in now sort of the outflows, okay? So if we have as a believer these foundations and are cultivating a devotion to God and a desire for God, then what the outflow of that is holiness, which we saw as being a primary theme and call in, in our Peter study, our first and second Peter study, the service, which is this outflow, and now we'll look at the disciplines themselves. And I, I wanted to just give you this picture because this is, the, in my view, kind of sums up a little bit of what discipleship looks like. So when we kind of look at these outflows of it, it's the disciplines themselves, which will focus on holiness and, and service. So what is our objective? Our objective just for today, to just kind of have, have one little takeaway, and that is, is to understand that we will struggle spiritually if we do not become a disciplined person. We will struggle spiritually if we do not become discipline, a disciplined person. And there is no way there is no easy way, okay? Just mark it. There's no easy way. There's godliness. There's no easy way to godliness except through discipline. Okay, now, remember that word on discipline is, I can go back to Hebrews 12, let's say specifically that this was God's greater purpose. Remember God's greater purpose. So his, God's discipline in our lives was for the purpose for us to be able to navigate through the challenges of life, Right? so that we wouldn't struggle. And in fact, it was in anticipation of the struggles that we were having. That's replete throughout all of the scripture. We're constantly seeing this. And so I wanted to just kind of have this as our objective as we go through this to kind of unpack it. Now, the basis of our, our study over the next couple weeks, and which we'll then branch off into as we get into some of the specific types of disciplines, is that I want to have my key takeaway verse is in 1 Timothy 4, verse 7, where this exhortation where Paul says to Timothy, discipline yourself for the purpose of godliness. So let's read the passage overall. 1 Timothy chapter 4, verses 6 to 10. If I can get someone to engage you and to read, um, please let's dive into this. 1 Timothy chapter 4, verses 5, 6 through 10. 
In pointing out these things to the brethren, you will be a good servant of Christ Jesus, constantly nourished on the words of the faith and of the sound doctrine which you have been following. But have nothing to do with worldly fables, fit only for old women. On the other hand, discipline yourself for the purpose of godliness. For bodily discipline is of only of little profit, but godliness is profitable for all things, since it holds promise for the present life and also for the life to come. It is a trustworthy statement deserving full acceptance. For it is for this we labor and strive, because we have fixed our hope on the living God, who is the Savior of all men, especially of believers. Thanks, Ian. This, First uh, uh, Timothy 4, by the way, um, we know, we know 1 Timothy is this letter to Timothy, the pastor, right? It's a pastoral epistle, it's referred to. So you could say, well, do you state that's a great passage of what you're going to study, but it doesn't apply to me because I'm not a pastor. <laughs> Wrong. <laughs> it does apply to you. And what I love about it, and that's why I want to unpack 1 Timothy, and we're going to go back at the beginning of this thing, because it is this picture of really what good stewardship looks like for we as believers. Stewardship in that how do we handle the word? How do our focus, for example, is that how do we deal with the things of the world out there? But there is an engagement specifically where he on this, says, on the other hand, so in contrast to this, he is saying, look, discipline yourself for the purpose of godliness. And so we want to try to unpack at least for today, this first word, discipline yourself. First couple words, discipline yourself. And in Paul, what Paul is doing is contrasting, in this case, a physical type of, of discipline with that that is uh, spiritual. And so we, I love these words. I love the words that we pull out with laboring and striving because it talks again about these very challenges that ultimately for godliness, it's going to be hard work. So let's go through some of this as we unpack part of this as we <clears throat> now what is it that should motivate us to discipline ourselves for godliness but let's just start first of all let's just back up for a second and I want you to think of something that you started and you just didn't finish any examples you started something you had great great motivation initially and then you can it can be very practical. It doesn't have to be like oh Jesus, it's spiritual. It could be something very practical. I tried to stop eating some desserts like every night. Okay, and it went from desserts down to just a little bit of sweets. Just but then it's like yeah, keep going back. I tried. I just keep failing. Give me some other examples. We have all perfect people. <laughs> this will be like a true confession for the next several weeks, man. I'm just going to put on. Trying to, you know, work out and uh, swim and just trying to do that on a regular basis. Back and forth. <laughs> okay. I, started, uh, I started writing a blog post the other day and uh, I was about paragraph in and other things came along and then I was like okay well I'll do it tomorrow and then I ended up watching TV the next day and 
the list is long, isn't it? It's long. Uh, come on, admit it. And you know, I know how to crochet, I know how to cross stitch. It was really pretty. I got like one square done. It. Oh man, forget this. This takes too long. I now have the yarn. She has the yarn. I think that I'm gonna watch my statement here. Our motives, uh, I think our motives are sincere and they're pure, right? In other words, we, we do want to do these things. But about the effort, the follow-through, it's sort of like when it gets to be a little challenging. So the key, so what is the key? The key is motivation, okay? So a key is motivation. But I want to just give you an example of something, if I could, because um, as we... You can think of examples. So, uh, what I'm, I tend to use a lot of sports analogies by default. Okay, so it's okay because it's very appropriate for this particular topic for me, because as we look at biblically and scripturally, some of the words that we're going to be focused in is specifically I understand exactly what they mean, and I can at least give you a story. But you have to apply it, because you're not necessarily the same. But the point is, it doesn't matter who you are, where you are, it's the same primary depth of discipline that we have to look at. So here's my example, and I'm going to use Paul, because I refer to Paul as a coach. Okay. So what is the, what is the purpose of a coach? What's the objectives of a coach? Even when you think about professional athletes, like, like many times they don't need necessarily somebody to tell them they know the right things to do. One, it's to remind them of the right things to do. Two, it's to give them a perspective on their blind spots, the things that they can't see or won't admit. <laughs> okay. Other other thoughts. Getting ready for me. Okay. Not very sports-minded. <laughs> that's okay. No, no. That's, that's, that's a true statement. That's exactly one of the objectives. A coach that doesn't do that, we got to talk to that coach. Right? If it's a team, you have to take this group of maybe not united people and give them a common vision, a common focus. You know. And in, our, in the context of this, a purpose to go to practice every day, a purpose to do your off-season training, a purpose to... Hire Right, yeah. for all that, rather than in and of itself to train just to do that. Great. So let's just, let's start from the perspective of the athlete, right? The athlete comes there um, for the purpose of, they already have their goals, they already know what they want to achieve, right? They'd like to win, whatever it might be, whether it's an individual athlete or a team, and they do have, they get there, they're part of it because they do want to win. What we share is that we share, all share that higher goal, right? Have a higher view of God. So that's, we've already, we're coming to this, this place saying that is a common goal that we share from that. The objective in this situation of that coach which separates it though, and this is where it gets to be a little tension is, is that now, so the motivation is, is sincere on the part of the athletes that they want to do. The role of the coach in this is the coach has got to now get to be able to take that athlete that has those goals of, 
of achieving certain things that they'd like to win. And now they have to advance that athlete to places where they don't want to go. Right? In other words, it is now the discipline part. Because where the coach's job is, is to make someone do beyond what they believe is what is necessary. It is expanding their capacity. Um, I coached for a few years, and I would see an athlete, and I could recognize the qualities, the raw qualities and giftedness of that particular athlete, but yet realizing that to get from A to B is that I would have to push that athlete to the capacity, to recognize the capacities that they have. And so I share this because this is my perspective of what Paul in this letter to Timothy is about. It's sort of like Paul all along, he knew the capacity of Timothy. But he also recognizes that he needed to push. He needed to push him and to encourage him and to ex exhort him. And so therefore, what was the motivation? So in this little brief introduction in 1 Timothy 4, is that what should motivate us now taking this call, what Paul says, to pursue godliness, is that what Paul says is that what motivates us as Christians is that we've got to focus on ultimately the and eternal issues are at stake. Let me go through and read that, going back to chapter 4. For bodily, uh, so discipline yourself, exercise yourself toward godliness, for for. Bodily exercise profits a little, but godliness is profitable for all things. Having promise of the life that now is and of that which is to come. This is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptance. For to this end we both labor and suffer reproach because we trust in the living God who is the Savior of all men. Eternal issues are at stake. The fact of, the, of eternity should motivate us to discipline ourselves for godliness. So, kind of going back to what Paul was saying, is that the fact is that there's a living God should motivate us, and the fact that salvation should motivate us in 410. So let's just find this balance then. So, what Paul is Paul saying that it's not okay to engage in physical activity? What do you think? Eternity, the living God. It's, and I love about the fact that it's a living God is that He's real. In other words, it is not just something that if he, we didn't, if God was not real, then let's just eat, drink, and you know, live and we die. I mean, that's the First Corinthians passage, right? It's just that's it. But we do. God is real. And so that Paul's point of the fact is, is that that ultimately is this very, very real focus and what should be the, at the core of our motivation. It is not something that is beyond achieving. Now let's go back for a second. 
And I'm going to focus on the limitations. And this is part of our problem. Part of our problem within the flesh is, is that there are limitations. And so therefore, here's one example of that. You would say is that, boy, I could do, I could climb Mount Everest. Okay? I saw the trailer to that movie and I realized I couldn't. <laughs> so I watched, I watched this. So I could not do that. Physically, I couldn't do it. And he, you know, just couldn't do it anymore. So the point is, is that could I would you see I would have limitations if someone said, hey Dave, let's come on, let's go do this thing together, and they're going to pull me in. How motivated will I be when I already doubt, right? When I already question my capacity to be able to achieve that particular goal. So with this is I want to you to be mindful of this, and so what at the core of this, what Paul is saying is that it's. It's achievable. As believers, eternity is real. And as a result of it, as in our days here, in our stay here, I would liken it to this. So, birth, salvation, and death. Okay? The three key points in our lives. From this point in our lives, from salvation until death, is discipleship. It manifests itself in our lives engaging in the disciplines, the holiness, and service. This is the, the very things that we were seeing, this outflow of that original chart and the first ones I looked at. And so as we go back to this, is that what, when Paul is saying this, is that what is it that should motivate us? Is that ultimately is this particular period of our lives that we're in currently, and does it have an end? Not while we're alive. It does not have an end, unless the Lord takes us. Uh, okay. It doesn't have an end. And so there is an engagement in these activities on a very regular basis. It is what Paul is saying is pursue godliness. So let's, let's continue to build off of that. So, we must discipline ourselves for godliness. And so, what is discipline? What does it entail? And what is it? And what is it not? Okay, so I want to take out kind of a practical thing. We'll throw some, some uh, support things in here. And so, I like to start, first of all, with understanding this word discipline. And we touched on this word discipline in our last uh, time together. It is from gymnazo. It's from the Greek. Uh, you took Greek, didn't you? Okay, I don't know if I spelled that right, did I? Sure. Okay, sounds good. From which our English word gymnasium and gymnastics derive, and it means to train and to exercise, and it speaks of rigorous, strenuous, self-sacrificing training an athlete undergoes. So, depending on your version of your Bible, you may see that interchange of that word of discipline yourself unto godliness, for the purpose of godliness, or exercise yourself for the purpose of godliness, to train and to exercise. And it speaks of rigor. I love this word rigor. Um, educational folks, they just embrace this word over the, you know, when No Child Left Behind came in, it's like, we need more rigor in our curriculum. You know? <laughs> oh, like it didn't have any before? <laughs> But rigorous is basically, it's an engagement. It is a, a, a deeper level of engagement 
that now it communicates a level of strenuous, it is challenging, it is self-sacrificing typo. Now, Paul used this word discipline because whether it was Timothy and Ephesus, they get it. They knew exactly what that meant because there was a gym around the corner. There was a gym around the corner where these athletes were training. I'd also tell you is that most of these young men would be training for no other purpose but to keep their bodies fit because of the culture, right? Say, so I sit at a desk by a computer all day, you know, so the rigor, the strenuousness of the physical body and exercises, I just got to you know, this... You're going to get careful from it. Right there. <laughs> <laughs> but your excuse is you're disciplining your mind. <laughs> what I like about this is that there is this emphasis that we see in this training and the glory of winning athletic events. Um, what I love going back is we, when we look at these passages, um, Paul using this example in other words he's using this example he's playing off the culture itself that first of all what he's getting at is like look it is not a game it is not some just little rustly match it is not a game it is real it is life itself and he is saying now apply this analogy Paul is saying to Timothy, you get this, apply it now to this call for you to pursue godliness in your life. <coughs> and ultimately, the rewards and what would be achieved from that are going to be far beyond anything that you would have short term. <coughs> so, I know many of you, uh, we couple of examples you shared, you say, well, okay, well, I want to get going and start exercising. And one of my questions I ask is, is that okay? Of course it's okay. Exercising, it helps your body. It's, 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 your, it's the temple, right? It helps you to be able, maybe for some of you, to think better. For others, maybe not. It's, I, I'm not here to promote my agenda of, like, we're going to get an exercise program going, and that's going to be your homework or you know, anything like that. That's not. It's going to be different. So what we're going to focus on is the recognition of implementing disciplines in our lives at a deeper level. And recognizing that God's equipped us to be able to do it. So Paul's exhortation to Timothy as that coach, the saying is that, Timothy, you have great capacity. So don't get pulled into worldly fable. Don't get pulled into these things. And what I love about that first Timothy 4 passage is that it talks it starts off with the first end is said, ground yourself in the word. Ground yourself in the word because that's going to be significant. And we have to go there first to be able to start to see is that how do we begin to look at implement these disciplines in our life? This this phenomenon that he used in this application is that they it's about these two words, training and glory. The training themselves, in the, from a fleshly perspective, it is not as though that I'm going to benefit by this and that's ultimately why my goal is to do it. I want you to take this perspective or this application from the spiritual realm here that, Tim, that Paul
Paul is laying out for us to say it is about our spiritual training to recognize, obviously, the glory of God. It is this higher view of what God purposes to do in our lives. Then it's going back to the disciplines of his intervention in our lives for the purposes of us being able to navigate through it to struggle. So now it's our responsibility. So now we've split this study and now it's my part. Okay? We cannot abdicate that. This is our responsibility as we move forward. So Paul urged Timothy, Timothy to discipline himself for the purpose of godliness. Discipline, first of all, is an ongoing process. This present tense, and I'll, I'll go back and as you're writing these down, to, I want to read through this again, where he says in verse 7 of 1 Timothy, and exercise yourself toward godliness. Exercise yourself toward godliness. So the verb in this situation is a present imperative, and it points specifically to a process. So it was like that one chart I showed. It was a process. So at the point of salvation at this point, we are engaged in this process of discipleship. And as part of that, I want you to recognize this word in exercising, the first thing we have to take away in this word of discipline is that it is an ongoing process. It is a constant pursuit. Verse 7 can be a lifelong process. It's a lifelong pursuit. Okay, so now go back to your examples, right? What you, the starts and the finishes like that. So like, if you were to look back at your life and say, you know, it's been like a lifelong thing for me. You know, I'm doing, I did this pretty long. I've done this like three, four years, you know, that type of thing. You can see the perspective of this is that we're very, we're just very limited in, in these things. Um, and I think that we, we talked on Wednesday about the disciplines of our, our Wednesday study, you know, and so we have this Wednesday study that's been going for about 20-some years, you know, so, but finally for the first time we're going to try to get sanctioned by the church uh, since we kind of just met anyway for meeting. But what I commented on to the guys that were there, I said, you know, I love your commitment. I thank the Lord because to me it was just a glimpse of this commitment. It is this desire to pursue God through his word, through the fellowship, through prayer together. And I would, you can liken that to any example in your own life, whether it is your pursuit of God and what that's looked like, but it is an ongoing process. Discipline involves hard work. Paul, we labor and we strive. We labor and we strive. Labor means to work to the point of exhaustion and weariness. Striving means to engage in a, in a struggle. This is my favorite word. Because it means wrestling. And that's how I can relate to it. Because that was one application. It's much like how Paul was, was writing to Timothy 
And Timothy could get this, he understood this analogy exactly because he, in Ephesus, he would know what is happening with these, uh, these athletes and their training and the games themselves. When, when Paul would say, look, for to this end we both labor and suffer reports. We, we labor to this point of exhaustion and weariness. That's even hard to say without just saying, I'm to sit down. It means to struggle. And this word struggling, it means literally, it is an, a term that describes two wrestlers going at it and giving every ounce, every ounce of their being. Okay, So I'll tell you the not-so-good story, but it's a, it is the true that you relate to it. So I'm in this wrestling match, and the guy was... I should have really liked beat the guy pretty good, right? So, but I got tired. I got tired in the match, and so I'm kind of like hanging on. You know, I'm not really giving it all, but I was starting to get wearisome and exhaust, exhausted. So it got, he kind of scored a couple more points on me and was good, and so I'm only like leading by one point, and he kind of like turned, and then I had to grab his leg. And I, I'm literally looking at the clock, and it's like, 35 seconds to go. And I've got to hang on to this leg, big, strong leg with these little hands for 35 seconds. And it took, just this bad memory, I'm sorry. I took every ounce of strength that I possibly could to hang on to it, but I didn't let go. And I walked. I walked off of this... But not, it wasn't a defeated, it was recognizing that I need to be in better shape. <laughs> Can't hang on that way. But I describe it to you because we all reach, and apply it now to your, your, your life, your Christian life, looks different. Okay? You're not a wrestler. You might have nothing to do with athletics. That's what, that's what I just, Betty just said here, fine. But you have worked at things in your life where you have gotten to this point of just ultimate fatigue and exhaustion. Picture that example, that image, that application, right? You got that in your head? In this struggling, in this agony, is that we have to recognize is that that is what God is saying to, to Timothy, capture that. Because that's what's going to work. And one more thing. There's more than 35 seconds left. There's a lifetime. There's a lifetime. Remember at the front end of this, in that Chambers quote that I shared, Chambers said, you know, it's all about the, being, the engagement of the Spirit of God. And so as we look at this discipline part of it, I'm going to take us to a place where Scripture specifically tells us you got it. You got the ability. As believers in Christ, Galatians 5.23 tells us, right? That we have the fruits of the Spirit. That the fruits of the Spirit, and what was one of those specific fruits? Discipline. Self-control. You have the ability to be able to discipline. So does this mean then 
that discipline comes naturally? No. It's absolutely no. not. No. <laughs> absolutely not. In fact, is it a spiritual gift? No. Absolutely not. And so as we segue to this, discipline is something in which both God and you must be involved. Both God and you must be involved. Galatians 5.23 While you're writing this down, you know the passage. For the fruits of the Spirit, right? Remember, you know what they are. Specifically, it mentions self-control or discipline, specifically. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. This is this word of being temperate. It is discipline, is what this word is. Is that you have this ability is within here is to be able to control yourself. God gives you the ability to control yourself. I'm chuckling because that sounds so easy. You know, we can just defer, right? Say, okay, no problem. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me, right? Love that verse. This is where we wrestle. This is where we struggle. And so on the front end of this is just to recognize is that something that is just not you. So the first thing is to get yourself in the mindset that it's this Paul Timothy type of education. God is with you, in you, equipping you, engaging you to be able to control yourself. So, as we progress in our, our time together, we start unpacking some of these spiritual disciplines. Um, you are all qualified. I want to make that clear up front. Say, it's not like, oh, this is way too intense for this training program, can't do it. DMART. Yeah, I was thinking, um, like getting out of treadmill, sometimes it's good to have a television in front of one of these places now. Allow your mind to escape uh, while your body is getting running through all of this. It's, uh, some, it's often a struggle, you know. The mind is not engaged, everything else is engaged. This is wonderful, Dave. What we need is about nine treadmills in this room right now as you're going through this. I mean, uh, our minds would be challenged, our bodies would be challenged. That's all. Or maybe just Mark and I, you know. Maybe you need to take and I need the treadmill. I don't know. Just saying. Sorry, I interrupted. Bye. Um, yes. You have a great way of segueing. Uh, I, I, I do, I, I do, because <laughs> I, I, I do, again, I'm just up front, because this is my, keep my, my disclaimer, is because I can totally relate to the, to the treadmill idea thing, you know, and all the things that I, you try to do, but I, I don't want that to be your example. I want you to be able to recognize the principles 
that we're talking about in discipline is that it doesn't matter. It's if we've never touched a treadmill, we have all reached this point of breakdown because of weariness or exhaustion. And the fact is, is that I'm going to let go. I'm not going to work hard. I don't want to work hard. It goes back to how we started this. It's this easy button. It's this, this is where we live today. And I'm, it's just in some of the reading and study, like I was going back to this culture because I was trying to relate to the fact that, yeah, I think Paul was a sports fan. Yeah, he could explain that, those analogies. But I also think he could relate specifically to um, the fact is that in that culture, working hard looks different. It looked different. Just by default of the culture itself and what the expectations, whether that was farming or anything else. Um, I had a really, really good friend that lived on a farm, and that was their family business. And I tell you what, they work hard. I, I thought I, you know, it's like I just visited for a day, and I'm, it's like, boy, this is, this is not, I can have my coffee and then just mosey into the office at 8 o'clock. It was an all-day commitment. You're shaking your head, Judy. You probably know, right? It's, it's, it's hard work. But all I'm trying to get at is my segue to this is just either way is that we all have to get on something, whether it's a treadmill. We, we all have to take an initiative in the training. So whatever you're going to step into, uh, we got to do it. But you're not alone. Mark, just, I mean, so appreciate what you're going through um, and, and, you know, setting the setting context from the standpoint of the value proposition in this for both this life and eternity. Um, I, I, think, I think Paul also, in verse 1, sets the backdrop to this as it pertains. Why is it so important for us now, today? Which is, he says, but the Spirit explicitly says that in later times, in the last days, some will fall away from the truth, paying attention to deceitful spirits and doctrines of demons. And so, when you think about us in the context of today, why is this so critical, even maybe more than then, it's that there's these voices, you know, that are on steroids around us, um, calling us to, you know, really um, not act biblically and not think biblically. And it's in that context, you know, that this is even more important and, and increasingly more important as the days grow short um, for us to have. So it's, yeah. Yeah, those first six, first five verses that focus on apostasy, you know, specifically those falling, that it, we're amid that. It, it doesn't matter. I think that's always been prevalent. But yet, so... What I love about this note, which we'll touch on, so then he then makes this as therefore, you know, based on what we know, he you know he's going to start right away with the word, because how how do we how do we prepare for this struggle? What do we how do we prepare for that? And so it is an engagement on these very disciplines themselves that. I do have a responsibility. That's what he's, he's saying specifically to Timothy. And why he would say, you know, don't back down. 
It's coming. We're there. And so I want to unpack that more. Because, and so let's take Paul, because again, as his statement, let's go back to 1 Corinthians. And I'm just going to read, kind of go back to 1 Corinthians 9, looking... Uh, for if, I, if, for if I preach, and I bring New, New King James, for if I preach the gospel, I have nothing to boast of. For necessity is laid upon me. Yes, woe is me if I do not preach the gospel. For if I do this willingly, I have reward. But if against my will, I have been entrusted with a stewardship. So, inter, inter, tell me the difference between it's something I need to do and stewardship. The word stewardship. What's the difference to you? Stewardship has more ownership. Stewardship, yeah, it carries more of a sense of privilege to it as opposed to something I have to do that's required of me, whereas stewardship. It's been passed. You know, it's almost like a, a trust. <laughs> it's more than one person. I'm doing it. If it's my own will, I'm doing it myself. But it's a stewardship someone else has given me into me. So it's not just me. It, it, it does. Um, it's not a I have to do it. It is a privilege to do it because I, I own it. It is this Let's, let's put a, a word in front of this. It is a valuable responsibility. It is very, very important responsibility. It is this ownership of stewardship. I, I love that view because, and you can pull out that word, what he is saying is, is, I have nothing to boast of, for necessity is laid upon me. This necessity is this recognized call of responsibility and stewardship that he has. And so, take that and, and process that through a, your grid. The grid is that sometimes that we operate off of this compulsion of, well, I have to do something. I better get on that treadmill because I know I have to do it. Where's the motivation? Keep, the, keep your motivation in check. And that's what I think is what's behind what we're seeing in Paul is, is that ultimately what is driving Paul, it was because eternity was at stake. That was, he goes back to what we were saying in the front end of this. It's clearly what he said to Timothy in 1 Timothy 4 is that it's about a living God. It is about salvation. It's not about you. But you have a responsibility in that training. Sliding over. Do you not know, verse 24, do you not know that those who run in a race all run, but one receives the prize? Run in such a way that you may obtain it, and everyone who competes for the prize is what? Temperate in all things, is self-controlled, is disciplined in all things. Now they do it to obtain a perishable crown, but we an imperishable crown. Therefore I run thus, not with uncertainty, thus I fight, not as one who beats the air, but I discipline my body. I exercise my body and bring it into subjection, 
lest when I have been I preached to others, I myself should become disqualified. And so this is Paul is simply just pointing to say is that look, here's an I am he's articulating the self-control in his own life there. You see how he's describing that? Is that he's framed it up and he has framed it up and articulated it in such a way that he's saying is that I'm in training. And I know what the focus is, what the prize is, and that God has equipped me to be self-controlled, to be tempered in these things. In these, and everyone who competes for this prize is tempered in all things. Now they do it, they referring to this contrast of what ultimately the motivation is. Sam. Yeah, getting back to what you said today is that we're enabled by God, and what's really exciting in this, which is a great reminder, he says, run in such a way that you may win. So that's, that message is to every single one of us. It's not to Dave, it's not to Sam, it's not to Dave Mark. It's, uh, it's every single one of us can be a victor, a winner. Um, and and that's, that's remarkable. So we can go into this idea of um, the stewardship and our giving our hearts over to God for the purpose of disciplining ourselves in all things, right? Even in our liberties that God's given to us. And we can know that we can be the winner. We can be the victor. It's not comparing ourselves against another person. I'm not comparing myself against you or anybody else. It's, it's exactly where God has gifted me. It's exactly where he has me. And uh, that's really I, I so appreciate that because it um, this this uh, this controlling aspect of God it is critical for for that the discipline itself, but it is all part of that victory, and so that's important. Is that that victory is a very real part of the motivation, and so that victory. We could sing the song, that victory in Christ. It's that victory we have in Jesus. It is the victory that we have, it ultimately, is what the goal is. But, but let's go back. I want to do a but on this, okay? And here's the challenge. It's because of the, our flesh in this, and our part of this, is that we, we, we pull it down. We're losing it. We lose sight of that because of the flesh in there, and we make excuses. And I'm going to give you a very, I'll give you one spiritual discipline example. I can't memorize scripture. I'm too old. I have a, just, I can't do it. That is an excuse. Okay. That's an excuse. But you know what I'm, that's just an example. You know exactly what I'm saying. You say, well, I can't do that. And your comment is, is accurate, and the saying is, is that God has equipped us to say, yes, you can. You can experience the greatness of God's word and meditation and contemplation through memorization. Yes, you can. I have to take some responsibility and recognize that it's okay. I, I want to take us, and I love those types of perspectives on it because it keeps us as we approach any types of disciplines for God's, obviously for the purpose of God, and it's like he did with First Timothy, is we have that victory, that 
that victory, obviously in this in this this First Corinthians passage with slurry, it is this ability. It is crucial to the victory. It is God the Spirit's engagement of self-control. It's a fruit, but it ensures victory. Discipline means discarding hindrances. Discipline means discarding hindrances. There's four, uh, seven I mean. But reject profane and old wives' fables and exercise yourself towards godliness. In this, it is this putting off. It is the Hebrews 12, verse 1, is what? Set aside, right? In Hebrews 12, 1, set aside the sin that so easily, what? Entangles us. So let's go back to this, this, this term of, of gymnazo. Is that we get this word naked from this meaning of this word. And because the Greek athletes would strip off their clothing, that's why I like that Hebrew, uh, the picture that we see in the Hebrews passage. And what it's saying in that Hebrews passage is that, that sin must be cast off. Is to don't allow sin to be a hindrance in our own lives. But yet... You can identify a lot of stuff, and I'll just say even encumbrances that are not intrinsically wrong, but will they help you grow towards godliness? In this passage in, first, in James chapter 4, 1, verse 14, is talking about what sin does. Sin gets in our life, and it manifests itself, and it just keeps breeding itself into bad things from that. And so when you think about sin overall, it's a, it's a pushing aside. Sin in your life will be a hindrance to our ability to engage fully the Spirit of God in discipline. It means discarding our hindrances. And so, let's just use, again, this example. Whatever the, the, the hindrances are, and then what, what the author of Hebrews refers to as these things that, uh, that entangle us, it's one of the things that would slow us down. And so the picture would be is, is that if you, we were to be in a race using, let's say, Paul's passage in 1 Corinthians, if we were to be in a race, what would you wear? If you were a race, would you wear your winter coat and your boots? No. Uh, you see those athletes, they, they, they get down and they strip themselves down because they're trying to avoid all the hindrances themselves. In fact, you can see these athletes today, they wear these body suits, you know, they're all, it's changed because they're trying to get the best advantages. But it's the picture. It's a great picture that you can put in your own life. And so now you say, is it okay? If I'm going to be disciplining myself toward godliness, what are those, what are the, what's the baggage right now. What's slowing you down? What are the issues that might be issues of sin in your life or even things that are not intrinsically wrong? What do I mean by that? They might, what might be some of the things that just can weigh us down but are not bad things? I mean, God rested. <laughs> so we're going to just enjoy 
the bear scheme today. Maybe, maybe not. Okay, okay. Um, rest is a, is a good one, right? Entertainment. In, they're not intrinsically wrong because we see that there's a lot of things that are, are there, right? But yet, can they be a hindrance based on how you prioritize in prior, you know, those things in your life, right? So again, this is, a no, this is not about guilting anyone into, you know, let's say no entertainment. Trust me, I'm not going there. Even those refined, dedicated, committed, devoted Olympic athletes, they have downtime. There's a balance to that. And I'll get to one of those because relentlessness is not good. It needs to be balanced. So why? The Christian life, the race, is a marathon. We see that, that, that image in, uh, of the race itself is just to run the race in Hebrews with what? Endurance, right? So it is not a sprint. It is an enduring race. And to make it, you need some qualities. Self-discipline, sustained motivation, and I'll call enduring effort. It's been a long, long, long time, but I have run a marathon. I run a few marathons. And that race itself is laid out so that it has to be it's something that you have to train for for long periods of time. With that, it takes a great deal of self-discipline. This sustained motivation, because the training is like weeks, it's months. I'm just going, like, you know, I'll just take a couple days before, I'll get out, and I'll do a little bit of workout. It's not, you're not going to be able to make it is the key. How do you make it? And so I want you to think about these, this enduring effort. It goes back to what this call is. It's a lifelong process. It is a lifelong pursuit in our lives. And so therefore, we have to constantly keep these in check. Okay? Because they're going to be constantly challenged and pressured. Believe me, the evil one does not want you to make it. Does it? Just wants you to set, set us back and constantly. If you think about it, is that whether it's your preparation for church activities or lesson or things, invariably, Lori and I always talk about this to say, well, there he is, he's working. You know, Satan will try to do everything he can to mess with the plans if you're committed to something specifically, whether that is sharing the gospel or something else, is that these are the things that we have to uh, shore up and address. So, just for time's sake, and I can hear that people are there, so I'm gonna, we're going to stop at this point. It's, it's a fairly good break point. And we're going to pick up um, next week with discipline means keeping. So we'll pick up there and I'll, I'll go through. Now, as, a, as we kind of work through this, and I'll get to this introduction of disciplines, for the first couple weeks is like next week I want to go and to continue to build off of understanding what um, we would define as what are some of these spiritual disciplines themselves. Recognizing it's not all, it's, it's not inclusive, it's not just the word, prayer, and worship. That's it. That's not the three. That's it. There's so much. And 
I'm actually, I would like to go take us to some places that are different. Um, the discipline of simplicity, uh, the discipline of solitude. Kind of just take us a place of the discipline of meditation in the Word. We've talked about the Word, you know, there. Just some of those different areas that we can look at. In prayer, I'd love for us to just dive into to Daniel 9 and to just understand the depth of that prayer. It's just so rich um, that helps us as a guide. So, anyway, a lot more to go on this over the next few weeks. But uh, thank you for your attention and engagement in this. And so, uh, Hopefully you feel a little bit more charged up and motivated, right? Um, so we'll kind of, kind of continue to see if we can build off of that momentum over the next uh, several weeks and hopefully to engage a lifelong pursuit. So. Nick, can I ask you to close us in prayer? Great, thank you. Father, we thank you that you love us so much that you want to discipline us and you want us to grow closer to you and to each other to just fulfill the, your command to love you with our whole heart, our whole mind, our whole spirit, and to love our neighbor as ourselves. We're just building us this character <coughs> discipline. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. <laughs> I don't know how to turn it off or anything. Thanks. I am. I don't know. I used to. I fly out.